Hello, Christine. Hello, Julie. How are you? You know, I'm doing pretty good. The sun is shining. The snow is pretty much all melted. How is your driveway? Totally snow free. You missed it. Like you just, you, there's not, there's not a morsel of evidence here that it snowed. Like I paid somebody way too much money to come out and plow while we were gone so that Mm -hmm. we can get down the driveway. And there's absolutely no snow because it warmed up. So anyway, you had it plowed, but you had it plowed because you had, you know, your kids coming over to check on your cat. So it was, it was necessary to have it plowed. Before I, it I had it plowed for my son, my little snowflake son, who I didn't want to have to come down the driveway in 12 inches of snow and get his little feet all wet. Oh, so. little, little Bubba. Little, my so little sweet. baby boy. He's yeah, baby. I'm good. We're home. Thank God I'm home. It doesn't matter where you go or how beautiful the place is. You just want to be home. I was, I'm I home. I validate that to the umpth degree. I cannot even tell you. I 100%. I decided to adjust your volume because like you were, it wasn't very loud, but now I can hear you way better. Do you think, the world, can, ooh, ooh, do you better. think, do you think the world can hear me better too? Yes. Melomaniacs. Is that better? Is that better? You know what? The little um, brief throwing shade episode that we threw, wait, we threw the shade, but we recorded the episode. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I listened to it and um can I just tell you that I felt like my sound sounded about the same as it does with this fancy microphone? <laughs> right. What is the point? Let's come on. That's Guys, so funny. You know, when, as we get further along and we make a little money or we have a little money, we'll upgrade again, but it seems like this microphone is really not making an enormous difference. So anyway, here we are. Um, do you have a today years old, anything you just learned? You know, I actually, I don't have one that I can first come up with, but I have one and I hope mom doesn't mind from, of our mother. She shared this really cute little story with me and I'm just going to share it on behalf of her. It's not embarrassing at all. It's actually a great depiction of mom, of our mother. Okay. She, um, she was like, Julia, never, you'll never believe what I learned. I'm 73 years old and you'll just never believe it. I went to the Chanel counter to have somebody do my makeup. I've never had them do it there before. So I went to there and they were, she was doing this and this and this on my eyeshadow and did this. And she was using this color. And I was like, Oh, I've never used that color before in my eyes. And the woman's like, Oh, you really should. It would bring out your hazel eyes. And mom was like, what? I don't have hazel eyes. And the woman's like, Oh no, your eyes are hazel. She's like, I thought they were brown. She's like, Julie, she slaps my wrist. She's like 73 years old. And I discover that I have hazel eyes. <laughs> but prior to that, she's like, look at me. She like gets real close to me. She goes, look at my eyes. What color are they? And I was like, brown. She goes, nope, nope. They're not. Let me tell you. Isn't so the a- Chanel lady called them hazel. And so now from here on out, they are indeed hazel, even though to everyone else's naked eye, they look brown. <laughs> yeah. And they're brown on her eyes. She goes, they're brown in my birth certificate. They're brown on my, on my ID. And then it got me thinking, I got to look at dad's eyes. Dad's got brown eyes. Like, are they, you know, it's just, um... and then she says, so that's where you probably got the green in your eyes. Your eyes are so green. That's probably where you got it. It's from my hazel. I was like, that's it, mom. You're right. 
there is nothing green in her eyes. Well, when you look at them, really, they're they're they are definitely brown, but they have like a they kind of have like a a speckle, you know, and that's what they say. Hazel, yeah. is. Hazel is like brown but green, but not. I mean, she definitely brown. like like me and Mike and and uh, Tom, the darker complected of us siblings. We all have super dark, 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 dark brown eyes. There's no question. And right. moms are certainly lighter, as are dads. Dads are lighter too, yeah. That reminds me, while we're talking about mom and dad stories, years and years and years and years ago, but it has stuck with me. Dad told a story about how he went to get new dress shoes for work. And, you know, this was, you know, probably back when you went to like the fancy men's shoe store, whatever it was called. And you <laughs> sit down and the person like, you know, sits down and gives you your shoe and measures your foot and all that stuff. Well, I guess nobody had measured his foot in a while. Like he had gone and bought shoes, but he goes and they actually say, well, let's go ahead and measure your foot. And dad's like, oh, it's okay. I'm a 10. Let's say it's 10. And the, and the guy's like, well, let's just go ahead and measure it. And he's like, and the guy was like, no, you're actually a 10 and a half. <laughs> and dad said, you know, I realize why I've been in such a bad mood all these years. I've been wearing shoes that were too small on me. <laughs> such a dad thing to say oh my god i love it <laughs> so from there on out he was wearing a 10 and a half now dad will have to tell me if i've made up this story because i sometimes have memories that aren't real i think that I, <laughs> or that i embellish but i i know something like that happened when dad was like 50 or 40 something and yeah. he was like, oh my god i've been wearing the wrong size shoe because he would probably just go in and say hey will you bring out your tens right you know because he's a 10 and then they're like, no, yeah. you're actually not. Oh my gosh. He actually had on a new pair of shoes when we, when we, I did my taxes with them a couple of days ago. And I was like, dad, those are some nice sneakers. And they were like crisp white ASICs. They were so, they were really nice sneaks. Like they were like, and he's like, yeah, you know. And then they started talking about their shoes and mom chimed in and was like, yeah, you don't normally, you usually buy like a blue. And he's like, what? It was just cute because there was like this cute little banter about his sneakers, but he didn't mention this, this size story, which I'm sure you probably did not make up. Well, um, mom and dad, I think, are the only people that listen to the show, so I'm sure he'll let us know. <laughs> All right, dad, Actually, tell us. Melomaniacs, that's not true. We have a few other people listening to our show, but while we're on that topic, you should tell your friends about the show. Give us a you review. Share it on the yeah, give us a review. Give us five. Do you know how easy it is to click five stars? Like you just touch the button while you're listening. It's like easier why? than playing Wordle. Okay. If you are out there playing Wordle, but you're not putting five stars on this podcast, okay. I don't know about you. I don't know. There's something. something. Wordle you takes time. You got to really, you got to, I mean, Wordle takes some time and you got to do some stuff on the, you got to play around. You got to put some, you, it's a game. Well, then you have time to press five stars. Mm -hmm. um, no, we have more than that listening to the show, but we could always use more. And um, like I said, share it on your social medias. Okay. I'm going to save my today years old for another time because I want to get right to the song because okay. this is a podcast where we talk about songs and we talk about the lyrics to songs and we talk about what they mean and we talk about what we thought they meant and we talk about what other people think they mean and then we talk about what they really mean. And it's Julie's turn to have a song. And I think you have a song. So what's your song? I have a song today. Um, we are going to be discussing Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. 
uh melomaniacs mm-hmm. a little bit of a disclaimer this song is um just is about sadness depression and um the backstory might have some things that might be triggering for you so if um depression and self-harm is a just is a topic that um you need a break from that's your just um just you know maybe skip ahead or just listen at your own um discretion so that being said, we're going to discuss it. I'm going to All read right. the lyrics and then we're going to chat about it. Are we ready? Yeah, do it. Okay. Oh my gosh. This is hilarious. Hold on a second. This is going to just make this. Sorry. I'll, I'll explain why I'm saying pause for a second. Oh, that's so weird. Sorry. I'm not prepared. Okay. Nine inch nails hurt. Uh- <laughs> I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain. The only thing that's real, the needle tears a hole, the old familiar sting, try to kill it all away. But I remember everything. What have I become my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end and you could have it all my empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. I wear this crown of thorns upon my liar's chair full of broken thoughts I cannot repair. Beneath the stains of time, the feelings disappear. You are someone else. I'm still right here. What have I become? My sweetest friend. Everyone I know goes away in the end. And you could have it all. My empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. If I could start again a million miles away, I would keep myself. I would find a way. So there, so this song was written by Trent Reznor of um, Nine Inch Nails. And um, the reason why I kind of had a little like moment of like, oh, shoot, this isn't working is because um, typically if you were to look this song up, Hurt, most popular would pop up would be by Johnny Cash. And there's a reason for that, because Johnny Cash did a cover of it, which we'll discover, which we'll discuss in a second. But the reason I was like, oh, shoot, wait a minute, was because I typed in Nine Inch Nails Hurt lyrics, but for some odd reason, Google gave me Johnny Cash Hurt lyrics. And I was like, oh shoot, I hope they're not different, which I don't think they're different. I think they are the same. So gotcha. anyway, um, so I let's first discuss, uh, Christine, your memories of this song, where you were when you first heard the song, what you think of the song and what you know about the song. Well... I had a phase in my life where I was a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. In fact, I'm still in that phase. Same. Um, I absolutely love Nine Inch Nails. Which album was Hurt on, Julie? Do you have that up? Yes, it was The Downward Spiral. Okay. So um, let me first talk about the song. You know, it was released in 96. Okay. Or 95. So like the height of my Nine Inch Nails love affair was probably from like 90 to 95. And then I had a child and I didn't have my own feelings or my own opinion about anything after that for a while. (laughs) Nothing I cared about ever uh, really mattered for a little bit of time. So Hurt would have come out after I became a mom, which would have meant I was not as into Nine Inch Nails as I was in the years prior. However, I definitely heard the song around the time it came out. I certainly had that album, but I did not play it on repeat like I did Pretty Hate Machine, which came Mm -hmm. out before that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there is nothing redeeming in this song. I feel like we have picked a lot of dark songs. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes there's like a little glimmer of hope in them, or there's a lyric that's like, Hey, you know, there's all this suffering, but we're doing okay. Or this, there's all this suffering, but let me give you a little bit of hope. Um, Mr. Trent Reznor does not do that in the song. Mm -mm. And I'd like to point out that I just pulled up the lyrics and it says written by Michael Trent Reznor. So I was today years old when I learned that his first name was actually Michael. Mm -hmm. Today okay, years old. There that. you go. Um, I know that Johnny Cash covered it and I know you're going to dive into that. I think it's one of the most ironic or unexpected covers of all time for Johnny Cash to do a Nine Inch Nails song. Mm -hmm. Makes this like 10 times more interesting. Yes. The lyrics do sound a lot like self-harm. I mean, it's pretty blatant. He talks about using a needle. Mm -hmm. Um there's just no real hope. I do think it's interesting that while he's talking about all of this self-hatred and self-despair, he also says, I will make you hurt. Mm -hmm. so I think it's, that's kind of an interesting twist. Like he's in, he's in such a dark place, but he's also kind of raging. Right. Mm -hmm. And wanting to turn those feelings outward. Mm -hmm. And that is my overall take. I mean, okay. right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, you're right. There is something to be said about the fact that it is incredibly dark and sad and a lonely song. And there, that's it. There's, there's, you know, there's no, like, you know, like you said, light at the end of the tunnel, there's no like hope. So the song was, um, was written by, um, Trent Reznor in April of 1995. It was released on the album Downward Spiral. Um, it was, it received quite a bit of, um, recognition, Grammy nomination for best rock performance in 96. And it is about self-loathing, depression, and drug addiction. Um, the album was recorded at the address 10050 Cielo Drive, C-I-E-L-O Drive in California. Does that address ring a bell to you? Do you, does it just like random? Do you know anything about that address off the top of your head before without Googling it? Say it again. 10050 Cielo Drive, C I E L O. In California, in what part of in California? In LA. No, I can't. Something say. very tragic happened there. Is it the, is it the, no, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, you keep it, going. Is it, is it uh, OJ Simpson's house? No, or but what you were about to say, you had it. Mm -hmm. It's the, uh, it's the, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's on the, the Charles Manson house. Where yes. Sharon Tate was, Sharon Tate was murdered. Shut up. Mm -hmm. So he lived there from 1992 to 1993. He rented this house. Mm -hmm. How do I not know that? I feel like I should know that. Okay. Wow. Isn't that interesting? And he had like a little studio and he called it, uh, what was in it? He named the studio that he built inside of the house. He named it La Pig, which is inspired by the murderer writing pig yeah. and blood on the walls. So he told Rolling Stone magazine. Um, this is kind of a long quote. When I was working on the downward spiral, I was living in the house where Sharon Tate was killed. Then one day I met her sister. I it was a random thing, just a brief encounter. And she said, are you exploiting my sister's death by living in her house? For the first time, the whole thing kind of slapped me in the face. And I said, no, it's just sort of my own interest in American folklore. I'm in this place where a weird part of history occurred. 
I guess it never really struck me before, but it did then. She lost her sister from a senseless, ignorant situation that I don't want to support. When she was talking to me, I realized for the first time, what if it was my sister? I thought, fuck Charlie Manson. I don't want to be looked at as a guy who supports a serial killer bullshit. I went home and cried that night. It made me see there's another side to things. You know, it's one of the things to go around with your... It's one thing to go around with your dick swinging in the, in the wind, acting like it doesn't matter. But when you understand the repercussions that are felt, that's what sober, sobered me up, realizing that what balances on the appeal of the lawlessness and the lack of morality and the whole thing is the other end of it. The victims don't deserve that. So he only lived in the house for a year. Ooh, uh-huh. Good job, Michael Trent Reznor. Michael Trent Reznor. Okay, right? And I mean, good it's true job. because he, he was like, if you think about it, it's almost, of course, people are going to think you freaking psycho. Why would you want to live in that house? And, you know, not to mention he's in a band, Nine Inch Nails, that are like known for like, you know, you know, industrial music that might, you know, lean more towards the side of weirdness or whatever. He had a reputation, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Right. So he was yeah. like, I don't want to live there anymore. So he only lived there yeah. for a year. Good okay. So yeah, exactly. So um, he was really inspired by the movies of David Lynch, which he ended up doing a lot of um, soundtrack and a lot of work with David Lynch on some of his films, which is very, but part of the um, song was inspired by movies by David Lynch. Um, So he doesn't really speak out a whole lot about the lyrics. And this is what he said. I I, it could sh- I could shed some light on my on what my intent was. To me, it's about your experience to that song and what it means to you and how it feels to you. I've had a I've had way too many songs ruined by the writer telling me that it meant what they meant by that and correcting me by what I thought the lyric was, which was way better. Sorry, I read that quote very. Ooh, you- that, okay, 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 okay. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. That quote is super super important for this podcast. So. Exactly. I know that it was a tough read, but can you read that quote again? I think okay. we can highlight that. It's very possible that I like uh, copy paste it wrong. I don't remember, but I actually, you know what? No, this, this quote is a direct quote from him from a Netflix show called song exploder. Netflix has a series. Yes. And you want to know what song they do in one of the seasons? They do your boy REM. They do Losing My Religion. I saw that. I believe I saw that. They do Losing My Religion. They do Hurt also? Yes. It's in the second season. So he, I was actually typing this as he was, as he was speaking. That's why it doesn't, that's why it's not translating very well. Okay. So to me, a song, it's about your experience to that song and what it means to you and how it feels to you. I've had way too many songs ruined by the writer telling me what they meant by that and correcting me by what I thought the lyric was, which was way better. So you'll listen to a song and be like, oh my God, in the air tonight is about this guy that watches this other guy drown. And then you learn and you're like, oh, so it's just about a divorce. Okay. Interesting. Right. So he actually says the words, what did they mean by that? In that quote? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I feel like he's the poster child for our podcast now. Right. Okay. Trent. I'm like, he is a beautiful specimen in all ways, his brain, his looks, his music, everything about him. He did, he did the, he's won Oscars. He's the real goat because he's won Oscars for his work on, um, soundtracks. He did gone girl. He did the social network. He's incredible. Like, okay. Can we pause? Did you say he's the real goat? 
Yeah. Good at everything. Are you today years old? Did I tell you something you didn't know? Wait a second. Wait a second. He's the real goat. It's the G it's an acronym G O A T. So it's like, you are the real, it's like, it's like a, you know, you know, today way of saying MVP good at everything. So it, it first was, um, my it was mouth like, is just hanging open. I didn't know this. I thought you were just making another bad pun that you didn't understand. <laughs> but I do understand it. And I don't. You just taught me he's a good goat. He is the, the ultimate goat. He is our emo goat. Goat. He is our, you know, hardcore industrial music 1990s goat because he can do everything. Well, let me take a moment and to and share my little story. Okay. Oftentimes when I am in a small space and something big is happening and I think the space feels too small, like for instance, uh, when you go see a concert and it's in like a really tiny venue and it's like, it seems too small. Yeah. Or if I have a lot of people over to my house and it feels like they can hardly fit in my house because my house is too small. This Mm -hmm. is what I say. This quote, I say this quote. This reminds me of that time that I saw Nine Inch Nails at 1227, which was a club in St. Louis. It was at 1227 Washington Street, and the club was called 1227. And I saw Trent Reznor, well, I saw Nine Inch Nails play there in 1990. And that room was so small, I could have spit on Trent Reznor. I could have like made out with him if I just took one step closer to him. And this room feels really small like that. Like everybody that's known me for a long time has heard me make the nine inch nails at 1227. There's not very much space in here. Metaphor. Yes. <laughs> what was that? In concert fact, if, like? I walk, if I walk into a crowded space with my kids, they will look at me and say, do not talk about nine inch nails, mom. We know. <laughs> so Trent Reznor and nine inch nails has always been my reference for a space that's too small for so many people. And I was so in love with him. Mm. Here's the thing that's weird. I have no idea who I was with. Like, that's, I can that's think really of bizarre. So many, yeah, I can think of so many concerts. Like, this was a huge moment in my life. I can see it like it was yesterday. And I really, yeah. if I would have reached out my hand straight, I would have touched him. And that's not an exaggeration. And I could have spit on him, but I didn't. Um, he probably spit on you, though. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea who I was with, but it's funny because I just Googled it and it comes up. The playlist comes up and I just want to say they opened with Terrible Lie. Oh, they closed with Head Like a Hole. Oh, fudge sickle. Those are like the two. I mean, Terrible Lie is one of the greatest songs ever written, in my opinion. Rock songs. It's so good. So good. And now to hear, I am just beside myself, to hear Mm -hmm. that Trent, that Michael Trent said, Look, I don't want to tell people the meaning of the song. I want the song to be what it means to them. I don't want to tell you what they meant by that. Like he is, I'm blown away. Trent, he, and he, Michael he, Trent, we're going to hashtag the shit out of you. And I hope you listen to this. And I know you won't, mm. but I'm going to hope that you do because it's just so profound. He is a beautiful specimen of a human. He really is. And he, yeah, I know. Isn't that incredible? Okay. I was like, I cannot wait to read her this quote. Okay. I hijacked the whole show. Go, go, No, no, no. Go. Don't go. This is what it's about. This is how it's supposed to be, which 
it's so it, this kind of reminds me of like how you know the um killing me softly episode because you know we've all been we've all been her Lori Lieberman we've been her at a concert where we're like so drawn in that not, the, there's a reason why you don't remember who you were with because all you remember was being in this small confined space with Trent Reznor on the screen on the stage like that's it's you were captivated, like captivated. It's, it's amazing. And I can say the same thing when I've seen nine snails, I've only seen them in large venues. Like I saw them at Lollapalooza. I've seen them at like big venues and he is captivating. He just really is his whole band, everything that he does. Yes. It's amazing. Um, so the song is really like, you know, okay. So in the Netflix show song exploder, the host literally breaks down the song. He plays the song. Well, he talks to the artist about, you know, you know, them and their, what, the, where they were doing when they were wrote the album. And then he literally breaks it down. He plays it. And then he strips down the song. Like he'll play it with like acapella where you can only hear the vocals. And the, he plays it with the artist and the artist is sitting there listening to it. It's really, really a beautiful show. So he says, when I wrote it, I felt alone, lost, but things will be okay. And you're okay. So he says that. But obviously that's not translated into the song because there's no hope in the song. He was inspired by Pink Floyd, The Wall, when he was younger. It's like one of his biggest inspirations. Um, so he elaborates on the storyline of the album, like the entire Downward Spiral album. It's a story of someone trying to find salvation through sex, drugs, and self-destruction and trying to find purpose. Um, the original song had, um, it, it was mostly piano throughout the whole song that's his that's the instrument huh. that he knows and plays the best from you know his experience mm -hmm. with musical instruments so he yeah and I honestly I think that the the Netflix show little documentary something that you just really need to watch it's really hard to kind of like um report on and like explain to people because you have to watch it because you can you have to listen to it because when you listen to it when the when the host breaks down the song they kind of like isolate certain parts of the song and then Trent will talk about it and like where it came from. Like in the beginning, there's like that whoosh sound of wind, which um, mm. is inspired by David Lynch movies. So I don't know. It's, it's really, it's, it's just an, it's just an incredible song and random fact, Trent Reznor was in the 1987 Michael J. Fox film light of day. And he played in a band called the problems. So he is a goat because he's also done some acting. I still can't get over goat. Um, did Trent Reznor have a problem with drugs and alcohol? Yes. Um, he and, you know, I it, a lot of the stuff that I wanted to quote, I, I, I guess I can't type as fast as I thought I could because I was watching this Netflix. I was like, I want to type what he's saying. Um, yes, he did. And he was kind of like spiraling out of control and the downward spiral was kind of his like redemption album, so to speak, because he was, it literally is autobiographical. It's called the downward spiral because he was in a downward spiral and, um, he just was trying to find like, like redemption. Um, and there's a song on there called, um, heresy. There's a song on there called pig, which was inspired because he recorded it in the Sharon state, Sharon Tate house. Um, does he does he present himself as sober now, clean? That's does a he good talk question. much about he it? He didn't you really didn't talk much about that. Um, you would, I would say so, but he doesn't really talk much about it. He's got a really, um, he's got a really, you know, he's, I mean, not to say like you know, people with children can't be addicts, but he's got two young children with his unbelievably beautiful wife. 
Um, and each, each time you see him presented, like at the Oscars, you see him, he is, it's almost like he's cleaned his act up so to speak. But, um, I would say he probably is sober, but I don't think that he, um, is like a spokesperson for being sober, like how James Taylor kind of was when we talked gotcha. about him. Yeah. Yeah. I just did a quick search and it looks like he went to rehab in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it. It doesn't say much more about after that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So um, in, so, okay. Johnny Cash decided to do a cover of the song he asked Reznor and Reznor was quote-unquote flattered but he was skeptical at first and worried it would be too gimmicky so it was released it was released in March 2003 it was produced by Rick Rubin if you give Rick Rubin a Google you will see hundreds of albums that you will know and love he is incredibly well known as a producer in the music industry especially in the 90s um in the early 2000s so after the release of the song, Reznor saw the video and he, this is what he said, tears welling, silence, goosebumps. Wow. I felt like I just lost my girlfriend because that song wasn't mine anymore. It really made me think about how powerful music is as a medium and art form. I wrote some words and music in my bedroom as a way of staying sane, but about a bleak and desperate place I was in totally isolated and alone. Somehow that winds up reinterpreted by music legend from a radically different genre and era and still retains sincerity and meaning different, but every bit as pure. God, I mean, I don't, I mean like that sums it up. Like his words, like I'm, I'm, uh. why am I suddenly more in love with Trent Reznor than (laughs) I was in the 1990s? your love for him is has been sparked back into life why do i want to just like google everything i can and then buy t-shirts with his face on it side note i think they just announced another tour they're doing like a reunion slash like they're doing he's going they're going on tour okay so did you say that johnny cash or johnny cash's people went to trent Reznor and said hey can i do hurt Mm -hmm. yeah and Reznor was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Flattered. But he was like, okay, whose idea? I mean, was it really Johnny Cash's idea? I didn't really find slash look, you put me on the spot much about Sorry. where it came from. Um, I'm, I don't really have, that's a good question. I think that it was okay. So the video is what most people remember about the song like when you google it it's everyone just talks about the video um it was directed by mark romanek who also the video for um johnny cash's version okay the video was directed by the same guy that did the scream video with michael jackson and janet jackson which is known to be like the most expensive video ever made so it's anyway so the video of hurt by johnny cash is it, it'll it, you will cry because the context behind it and who Johnny Cash is, who everything is just, I have no words. Okay. So it, it, re, it features close up and raw footage of Cash singing, playing with the piano and the guitar. It was filmed in 2003. Johnny Cash was 71 and his health, his health was declining. He died in 2003. Yes, exactly. So you can see his frailty in this video. You can see the state 
of Johnny Cash. So it shows glimpses, glimpses, and it's actually filmed at the House of Cash Museum, which was closed at the time. So um, the house in the video was called the House of Cash. And it fell in despair and it was closed and it kind of just was like run down. And um, ironically, this house, it was sold to Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees, right? Barry hmm. Gibb, Bee Gees, yeah. yeah. yeah and it, yeah. Burned, it burned down in 2007 during renovations, which is, I had to give that at Google to make sure. I was like, is that, is that right? So a new unrelated Johnny Cash Museum opened in Nashville in 2013, side note. So, yeah, I've been there. I've been to the Johnny Cash Museum in Nashville. Oh my God. Do you know where was this one that burnt down? Did you say where? It was also in Nashville. Okay. Um, wow. And so he, it was filmed there. And there's a scene where June is gazing at, at Johnny Cash as he's singing. She, he's kind of sitting in this chair next to the set of stairs. And she's on the stairs, just like gazing down on him. Aww. And then it flashes to old footage of the two. So there's like some old classic footage of them. And there's even like a little footage of him performing at the prison that he did that is like really known for. He died seven months later in September and June died May of the same year, May 15th. Like literally Johnny Cash died of a broken heart. Like she passed away. I was just going to say that. I was going to say like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, before I saw the movie Walk the Line, which is sort of. (laughs) Tells me more about Johnny Cash than any other research I've ever done. Before I saw that movie, uh-huh. I knew a couple things about Johnny Cash. I knew that he performed at Folsom Prison. Mm-hmm. And I knew that he had such a wonderful love affair that he died within months of June Cash dying because he died of a broken heart. Those are the two things I knew about Johnny Cash. Like mm-hmm. he and June are like the most beloved American couple of all times. Mm-hmm. And, and then to see again, by watching Walk the Line, which is my only reference. Right. But to see like how their relationship evolved, assuming that's somewhat true mm-hmm. and how she helped him out of his addiction and everything else. When you said, mm. I, I did not know though that the video of Hurt was the same year that he died. Mm-hmm. And so that footage is like a time capsule. Which is crazy because I'm, I, I don't know exactly what month it was filmed because there's, there's footage of the two of them. Yeah. And if she died in May, then this must have been in like, you know, the very early parts of 2003. It was released in March of 2003. So just a couple months, I guess. Yeah. And there's lots of like, um, it's, it's known for like, it's been, let's see in 2011, the video was named, named best video of all time by time magazine. And I think that probably will remain true for the end of time in the music world. Like it just, because the, the, the contact behind it, that, you know, she died just a couple months later and she's in, it's just, but you, it's just, you will literally, I was watching it and my daughter was sitting next to me. She's like, mom, are you okay? Like I had goosebumps. I was like rubbing my eyes. It's just such a beautiful. beautiful I don't know if I've ever watched it. I'm going to watch it when we get off here. We got to put it in the show. What about Trent? What about Trent Reznor or Nine Inch Nails video of Hurt? Okay. Yeah. The video is, it's really weird because there was a video and it was wildly, like I watched it all of the time. It was on, you know, MTV back when MTV played music. But when you look it up, it like, you can't really find a direct source to it. It's literally a live version of them performing it. And they do the same exact performance to this day. Um, it's 
him in front of this big um, screen. And in, in the screen, it just has really weird black and white footage. There's a footage of like a snake grabbing like a, it's really, and it's just him singing. So the video is, I mean, it's beautiful. And they end every concert with Hurt now. I don't know if they do it to this day, but during the Downward Spiral tour, they would end it and their their shows with that song, which is. What's interesting about this is that there's in in the original version, it's just a piano, right? I mean, that's why I'm that's how I hear it. Nine yes. Nails version. There's um yes. There's, there might be some crescendo in the song where there's something else. But like I mean the, this is I, there's a um like a, the piano is corresponded with maybe like I don't know if it's a drum or if it's a bass, but it's like you know pounding sound. Right. But yes, it's mostly piano. And, okay, and so Johnny Cash is just his guitar. Exactly. So what's interesting about this song is that it is it is lyrics and and vocals. I mean, it is vocals. The music behind it is very secondary to the vocals, right? Which so is cool. Not, yes. Mm-hmm. It's no, not like not. when some bands cover another song and they totally change the arrangement. Mm-hmm. There is no arrangement really to change here. This is right, like right. two men's vocals being mm-hmm. compared. Yep. And I think what's interesting and, and why Reznor should get so much accolades for this is that he wrote a song that is really based on lyrics and vocals mm-hmm. and he he sings it in such a haunting way mm-hmm. and then somebody else like johnny cash comes along doesn't add any more instruments to it doesn't change the arrangements to my knowledge doesn't change any lyrics mm-hmm. and it's just that man's voice and it's like this really relevant piece of history yeah like everyone should listen to these two songs and watch the Johnny Cash video if you want a piece of like American culture. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason when you look it up, Johnny Cash pops up first. And Trent Reznor is well aware of that. And he's like, it's not my song anymore. But it is. We all know that he wrote it. There's like, it is his song, but Johnny Cash definitely, um, he created wonder- a new world for the song. I wonder how many people out there think that this is just a Johnny Cash song. So if you think about like the timing and you think about our generation, so so Nine Inch Nails was out at the prime time in my life to be like mm-hmm. going to live shows. I mean, I, I was like, you know, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm now 50. So think about people my age, it's a no brainer that this is a Nine Inch Nails song. Right. And when Johnny right. Cash did it, I was like, what? Right. But there's probably an entire generation of people, maybe my age, but just folks that were never that were country music fans or whatever mm-hmm. that might be listening to this right now and being like, oh, my gosh, I thought Johnny Cash did hurt. Like, I feel really lucky to be in that camp that that has known both. both. Yeah, for sure. And, and I hope. Yeah, I hope people. I hope there's some people listening who are just now learning that it's both and will compare these two. Yes, I totally agree because it's not only like he's like, like, you know, he says it's, it's a, it's reinterpreted by a music legend from a radically different era and genre. People that listen to nine inch nails typically won't listen to Johnny cash and vice versa. 
Oh, right. Not just because of the time frames in which they both were, uh, you know, in their prime, but the type of music. I mean, unless you're, I mean, there's well-rounded musician people like us, like, you know, we'll list whatever, but if you're a diehard Nine Inch Nails fan, chances are you're not going to really listen to Johnny Cash and vice right. versa. So the fact yeah. that, yeah, there are probably people that don't know. I mean, obviously people, the Johnny Cash version has surpassed the, um, you know, the status of the Nine Inch Nails version, but yeah. Do people think that it is originally just a Johnny Cash song? Well, remember the other day how I was, um, talking about weird questions that come up when you search this song. Oh yeah. What comes up? One of the first questions that comes up is why did Johnny Cash write hurt? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's probably people that only know about that version or only heard that version when they, you know, they're big Johnny Cash fans. So they're watching this video. They're seeing this song in 2003 and they're like, wow, is he going to kill himself? is this, what is, what is going on with Johnny Cash right now? Like, this is really sad. And they all knew that, you know, a couple months later after it's released, his wife dies. So like, is this alluding to something? Like, I'm sure there was so much speculation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. there, there, but, but those speculations are valid because even though he didn't write it, he clearly felt it. He felt th- that song. He was compelled to do it. Yes. Right. We don't really know why, but right. he didn't write it, but we know that he felt all of that. I also just looked up Johnny Cash never performed this song live. He did the video and he died later that year. So nobody has ever seen him perform it. Oh, wow. I don't think I I came across it. That's incredible. Yeah. I just, I just found that by. Wow. Imagine if you, you know, to the, the director of the video, I mean, he speaks out, he was like, you know, I can't remember what he said, but he, he spoke out about it. Like, imagine being like one of the only people that have you know been around yeah to be in that room because i'm sure that june was in that room too when the video was being made to be in there with johnny cash doing hurt and ruben this amazing director producer uh, the producer is ruben of the song who is probably he's the only person that's really heard it live actually because he produced it but the director of the video mark romanak yeah i want to say I could have, I want to say that maybe one of them are in that Netflix. Somebody of the producer realm is in that little Netflix thing. I can't remember who, or maybe it was just part of the, maybe one of the direct, the producers of the Trent Reznor album. I can't remember, but there are some interviews of the two about it. The uh, the Netflix show is called Song Exploder. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. So our listeners need to check out Song Exploder. Yeah. Which I have the link to the Nine Inch Nails episode. You can. Um, oh, awesome. We'll put that in the show. Def- I definitely encourage people to watch it. It's an, it's incredible. And Trent Reznor oh. just, I I'm speechless to how incredible he is and how incredible he always has been. And he is the ultimate goat. 